It is Friday, June 2nd. This is the Christian Commute. I am your host, Seth Dunn, and today we're going to find out that if, I should say, we're going to find out if you can drive a Kia Soul from Dalton to Cartersville on a little under a quarter tank of gas. My guess is no, but <clears throat> I'm going to try. If I if I can make it to the uh, exit with the Pizza Hut breadsticks, I'll get some exit. I'll get some uh, some breadsticks there and get some gas and stop. But I think I I think I might be able to make it. I'm just I'm just hopeful I don't get too carried away in the show and then forget to notice that the gas light is on. This car does not have a computer that tells you how many miles you have left to go. It's that old. It has gadgetry on it. It has Bluetooth and satellite radio, but it, it doesn't. It doesn't do that. It does tell me that the temperature outside is 84 degrees at 6:53 in the evening. This is the fifth show that will be saved on the phone but not uploaded. But now, now I think people are starting to miss the shows and they're starting to ride in. Because I got another question today. So, I don't know. So, I'm, I actually have a question for Tuesday's show. The exterminator came today and sprayed poison all around my house. And my dogs have been sufficiently dosed with, uh, with the flea medicine. So, it should be safe to go in my basement again. So I am going to go in my basement this weekend and upload these five shows. Much to the delight, I'm sure, of whatever is left of my audience. So I don't know if I still get any audience from Bible Thumping Wingnut, because something happened to Tim's website. It got all messed up and our podcast feed stopped working. So then he moved it to a different website, and they, he wanted us to use a different podcast stream I forget which one it was but I said I don't need to do this I'm not going to upload it into a separate place uh, than the one that you had where we were storing it I said just use uh, here's the feed from Podomatic I don't even know if it works anymore I know ChristianCommute.com doesn't work because they gave us a Weebly website at Podomatic and then they stopped the service and I haven't taken the time to sit and redirect ChristianCommute.com to uh, a different repository. Maybe sometime during the summer while I'm not trying to create youth sport dynasties. It's not about coaching the season anymore. It's about creating dynasties and getting the same kids back. When I'm not doing that in the summer, maybe I can do some work on my website, ChristianCommute.com. Or if somebody out there is the kind of person who can do stuff like that, just write and for free because I'm not going to pay you. Write me at SethDunn88 at gmail.com and tell me that you will set up my website for me, ChristianCommute.com, to where people can get the podcast at that website. I have a full show today. Do I have any cough drops left? No. That's terrible. Let me check the armrest. Aha! I do have a cough drop. Struggling today. 
for the past week, I think the pollen has been high. Oh, this is great news. Because here's the thing. I thought I had the off-brand off Walgreens drops, but it turns out I put a Halls brand cough drop in the Walgreens bag. I think it's either cherry or strawberry. This is a good kind. So you're going to have to deal with the, with the cough drop if I'm going to make it through the Christian commute. The pollen and the poison make my gro uh, voice grow ever weaker. So here's the show title. It is Uganda and Homosexuality. We're going to talk about the Ugandan criminal law against homosexuality. I have a question in the inbox. It's the second of a two-parter about man's relationship to animals. And as always, we have the Bible chapter review. We're finished with the parable of the wedding feast. There's a gnat in my car and I'm trying to smack it. We're uh, finished with the parable of the wedding feast. Uh, and now we're moving on. The Pharisees are ticked off because Jesus is talking badly about them. I'm not going to get this gnat. <coughs> He's talking badly about them. Did it fly in my mouth? That'd be awful. So now they're going to plot against Jesus. So that's what they're going to do. They're going to send their disciples to him to trick him. Then the Pharisees, verse 15, Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might trap him in what he said. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and teach the way of God in truth and defer to no one, for you are not partial to any. Tell us what you think. Is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their malice and said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? So understand what's going on here. Jesus has condemned the chief priests and the Pharisees, or the elders and the Pharisees. Whoever the leading Jews are, he's walked right into Jerusalem at holiday time, right up to the temple, and just insulted them and condemned them. And they were trying to talk to they were trying to trap him themselves and he wouldn't let him do it. He's like, Well, tell me this. I'll answer your question. Tell me whether or not you believe John is from God. And they wouldn't answer. So he goes, Since you won't answer me, I won't answer you. So he has condemned them outright publicly. They figure it out. He knows they've been trying to trick him. So he, he he's the one who sets them up and says, Tell me whether you believe John is from God. So what he's saying is, I, I know you don't believe John is from God, and you're not going to say it because you're, you're afraid to say it in front of the people. I'm from God. John was the one who was heralding me, and you're not believing in me. So they leave, and they think they're going to trick Jesus by sending their disciples to him. Well, we'll send this other group of people that he doesn't, maybe that he doesn't know they're with us. And he says the Herodians go too. So those aren't Pharisees, but those were those would be people who are loyal to King Herod, Herodians. People of prominence there in Jerusalem. So they go to Jesus, and they try to disarm him right away, and they say, we know that you, you, we, you preach the truth. We know you do. 
you're truthful, you teach the way of God, we know. And you defer to no one. In other words, like we like that you're standing against the Pharisees. It's good for you. So that they preface their question with basically, we're on your side. You know, we we approve of you. We believe in you. So we're asking, we want you to answer us this question because we believe in you. They're really trying to answer the question to trap him, which is the same thing that the elders or chief priests or Pharisees were doing. But Jesus figures it out, figured it out with them. So they take the opposite approach. Oh yeah, we definitely believe in you. Now answer this question for us. But he sees right through uh, their their false statements. He sees right through what they're saying. He sees right through them. He perceives their malice. He knows they don't really believe, oh yeah, God, we or oh yeah, Jesus, we believe in you. Like you teach the truth. He knows they're trying to deceive him. And he figures out he's being tested. And he says, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? And the Greek term there that we translate into the into English hypocrites literally means actors. And that's why it's such an insult today to call somebody in English a hypocrite. Like, you say you believe one thing or you're for uh, one thing, but you're not. your actions don't show it. But literally, that Greek term would mean somebody in a play, an actor. Hypocrite is an actor. So he's accusing them of being actors, of, of pretending to be on his side, but they're really not. They're hypocrites. They're trying to deceive him. They're phonies. You say that the, one of these modern translations, like New Living, should say, "You phonies, why are you testing me?" And what's the test? Well, it's this question about Caesar, and it's this question about the tax, and they're trying to put Jesus on the horns of a dilemma. If he says no, we shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar. Well, the Romans are going to take issue with that and say, "Oh, you're in here trying to cause sedition." You're not just some average run-of-the-mill guy minding his own business and keeping his opinions to himself. You're teaching in the temple. You're causing a commotion. You have crowds following you around. And you're saying it's not lawful to pay the tax to Caesar. Well, that's sedition, and we'll arrest you. That's if he says yes. I'm sorry, that's if he says no. If he says no. What if he says yes? Well... If this guy says yes, that we're supposed to be paying taxes to Caesar, well, he's not the Messiah Jewish leader he's claiming to be. He's coming here talking a big game, but he, he says we ought to be paying to Caesar. So then the, then the people will lose faith in him because he won't stand against Caesar. That's the trap that they've put him in. And Lord willing, on Tuesday, after I've uploaded these five shows and come to work, We'll review Jesus' answer to the question. That's a tease. But you guys have read the Bible before. You know he he sees through their trap and gives them a really good answer. All right, let's go to the inbox. Do you have a question about Christian theology or apologetics? If you do, you can write to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. SethDunn88 at gmail.com or 
you could dial 470-315-0875. The Christian Commute is your theological roadside assistance. Today's question, the second of a two-parter, comes from Martha. Yesterday she asked, what is the Imago Day? Explain it. What does it mean? And I did that. And now the second part is, what is man's relationship to animals, or mankind's relationship to animals? So you go to Genesis, it says, let us create God in our image, male and female, and then let him have dominion over all the animals. It says that, right? I think that's right there in the latter part of Genesis 1. So, God creates mankind on the sixth day and gives mankind dominion over the earth and the plants and the animals. So, on the one hand, I'm tempted to answer this question and say, what, you know, man's relationship to animals is, is their ruler and steward, which is true, but. How about this? Man doesn't have a relationship with animals. Think about this. God is a relational being. He's a personal God. He's tri-personal. God has a relationship with himself. Like the three people, the three persons, I should say, the three persons of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, have all had a relationship with one another in the Godhead from eternity past. And then God created, in his own image, mankind. Mankind, too, is a relational being. We have relationships with other men. Uh-oh. Hold on, I got a situation. Let me, let me correct this. My work backpack, my laptop backpack, I shut the, the straps in the door. And it was flopping around on the freeway. I had to fix that. So mankind has a relationship with other members of mankind. But mankind is also designed to have a relationship with God. God's our Father. If you're a Christian, God's your Father. And that relationship, of course, was severed by sin. But here's the deal. Before sin entered the world, animals didn't have a relationship with God. There's, there's nothing to sever there from them. So, this sounds kind of strange, maybe even mean to say, but animals are not relational beings. Not in the, not in the same way that, that God is a relational being, or, or men and women are relational beings. Because animals don't have a relationship with God. Man does. So when you say, what's our relationship with animals? Not one. They're things. They're, all, they're things like plants. Now, anybody like me with a pet dog knows, well, it's not a thing like a plant. He'll, that, that dog will do stuff. He'll do what I say. And he'll love on me and lick on me and stuff. Yeah, he'll jump on me and play and... He'll play with uh, his, like my dog Rocket will play with my dog Dottie. They're friends. They also get in little tussles. 
depending on who's hungrier. Your dog shows affection for you, and you have affection for your dog. But those animals aren't made in the image of God like we are, and there's there's a thing there that says they really can't have a relationship with you. So you say, what's man's relationship to animals? Well, that's a really a broader question of what's man's relationship with the rest of creation. And it is to have dominion over it. That is to take it over, rule it, bring it into subjugation. You can go look up the Hebrew word that we translate into dominion. But it's really to bring the creation into subjugation, organize it, and steward it. So you want to say, like, yeah, this just sounds like a stupid question. Is it wrong to stand on top of a cliff and throw babies off the cliff? Like, yes, that's murder. All right. Now, switch out the babies for puppies. You can't murder a puppy. Is it wrong to sit there and throw the puppies off the cliff? Yes, because that's not being a good steward of God's created beings, creating creatures, created resources. That's wasteful. And it's also cruel. By, by the way, like if you can tell when a kid's going to grow up to be a psychopath and hurt people because they'll hurt animals. I'm just that's that has nothing to do with theology. I'm just throwing that out there. So when you think of things like we have laws against animal cruelty, it's not saying animals are people, but it is saying animals do have some value and there is some expectation on how we should treat them. Now, where do we get into this when we're talking about the PETA people and the, the every living thing Karen Swallow priors of the world? So think of something like a, a fish farm. A fish farm. So when you go to the store and you go to the fish counter, they have salmon sitting out. And they have the genetically modified farmed salmon. And then they have the wild caught, caught salmon. And it's, you know, it might not be as pink and as pleasing to the eye because it hasn't been modified. But you know what? It's more expensive because somebody had to go out and catch it. I think it tastes better. And the, the PETA people, the people for the ethical treatment of animal people, animal people come in and say these fish farms, fish living in these crowded pools and they're, and they're dirty, this factory farming, it's evil. I'm like, well, hold on. How is it different than a corn farm? Because doing something like that is taking dominion. You have gone out, got fish, put them in a farm, bred them, and you're selling them, and now you're feeding people and using economies of scales where people who couldn't afford salmon could afford it before. That's a good thing. You've taken dominion. And now you get to see where people argue over things like this. No, it's wrong to do that. Well, tell me why it's wrong. You're factory farming chickens and making them fat. Well, do you want a small chicken? I got six kids. I can walk into Ingalls right now 
and get a rotisserie chicken for seven bucks and feed my whole family. Because somebody has factory farmed those chickens. So when you talk about mankind's relationship to animals, you're ruling over them. One way to do it is to farm them because they've been given to us to eat. Read what God says to Noah after he gets off the ark. Like you can eat all this, all these animals. Or is, it, or is that where he says, "Whoever sheds blood by man, his blood shall be shed." Anyway, somewhere, you know, we can. The Bible says we can eat them, <laughs> so we can eat animals. Yeah, like, what is the relationship man has to the thing I'm eating? And think about that culturally. At my house, I pay a lot of money and go through a lot of time to smoke pork and then share it with my dog in the back. In Korea, they'll smoke the dog. And I would never do that. Like, that's, that's gross. I'm not going to eat a dog. That's a pet. I'm not going to eat a horse either. That's that's more of a thing you ride. And you see that we have this tendency, like these animals that we have brought into our lives and domesticated to keep us company and do jobs, like all of a sudden we don't want to eat them anymore. Like we'll eat a cow, but we're not going to ride it. We're not going to eat a horse. We ride those. Uh, here, here's a great example. Of, of taking dominion and working with animals. Th- think, think of a shepherd. Think of domesticated sheep. So, whereas before, sheep were just roaming wild. And now, a shepherd has domesticated the sheep to keep a flock of them, to use them for meat and wool. And the shepherd... One of his jobs is to protect them from canines. Because a wolf, or a wolf pack, will come in and try and eat the sheep. And drag them away. But then shepherds start domesticating canines. And we have dogs. And we have sheep dogs. And the sheep dogs work with the shepherd to keep the sheep safe from wolves and other predators. That's taking dominion and ruling over. The sheep are a resource. The dog is a resource. Now, do you go around petting the sheep and giving the sheep snacks? No, you do that with the dog. I mean, if you imagine the shepherd out there with the sheep, he's sitting there at the campfire next to the dog petting it, and the sheep are just out there. But he's ruling over them all. He's ruling over the sheep. He's ruling over the dogs, and he's ruling over the wolves. By protecting his livestock against them. That's dominion. So animals are here for us. We are not here for them. Plants are here for us. Fish are here for us. Livestock is here for us. The planet is here for us. We are here to steward the creation to God's glory because everything is ultimately for Him. You know, He created everything else first and then put us here to rule over it because it's for us. God gave these things to us. It's been cursed in the fall. 
But all of these things are gifts from God. So I hope I hope that helps you understand what is man's relationship to animals. Let me look at the gas. Ooh. The gas light isn't on yet, but it could come on at any second. 161,722 miles on the Kia, in case anybody was wondering. All right, let's get to the law about Uganda and homosexuality. And I don't think this is an accident that the Ugandan people or the government passed this law to take effect right here around June. Because in the imperialist West, that's what they call us over there in Africa, imperialists. In the imperialist West, we have defied God to call June Pride Month in celebration of homosexuality and other perversions. Took the symbol of God's covenant with us, the Noahic covenant, and made it a symbol of sin, the rainbow flag. And the United States government is hanging these flags outside of its buildings and celebrating Pride Month. How wicked. On the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, in Africa, Uganda has criminalized homosexuality. And this has been condemned by the Biden administration. It was also condemned by supposedly conservative Senator Ted Cruz, who called the law an abomination. And here's the thing. This is the kind of law that we will never, ever have in America. I should say never, ever have again. Sodomy used to be illegal in many parts of the United States. And then the Supreme Court struck it down because Texas's sodomy law was challenged. I do not know the constitutional justification for striking this law down. Uh, but homosexual activity was illegal here for a long time. And I don't know if the sodomy law was struck down by legitimate constitutional arguments or made-up constitutional arguments, like the made-up argument from Roe versus Wade. I don't know. But Ted Cruz has, has said, you know, criminalizing homosexuality is an abomination. And this particular law is controversial because not only can you go to prison for promoting homosexuality or engaging in it, if you commit what they call aggravated homosexuality, you'll get the death penalty. Now that's in Uganda. As American Christians, really not something we're going to have to navigate because I don't think such a law is plausible to have here. Sorry, theonomists, it's not. But in Uganda, it's plausible. And they have it. But here's the thing. There's Christians in Uganda. How should the Christians in Uganda be reacting to this law? Should they be like Ted Cruz, who's I think he's a Southern Baptist, saying, no, this law is unjust, it's bad? I think Russell Moore, former president of the Ethics and the Religious Liberty Commission, is taking a stand against this law from his home in Brentwood, where, there, where 10% of the people don't have AIDS. Uh, how should Christians react? Does this law defy the Bible? Generally speaking, I'm going to say no, because here's why. The prescribed legal punishment, and by the way, it's not a rehabilitative punishment. The 
the legal punishment for homosexual homosexual acts in the Old Testament is death. By the way, it's the same if you have sex with an animal. That carries the death penalty. And and sometimes people go around saying, well, you know, they're not hurting anybody. If you're a sheep shanker, are you hurting anybody? I don't know. I don't know how the sheep feels about it. But death was the penalty for that. It's a perversion. It's the, the Old Testament calls it an abomination. And homosexual, homosexuality was punishable in the same way. So you can't say it's inherently immoral or sinful to punish homosexuality by death because God put it in the Old Testament law. Now, are we obligated to follow those Old Testament laws today? No, we're not. No, we're not. We're just not. Sorry, Theonomist. No, we're not. So, it's not obligatory to criminalize homosexuality and stone them. Or stone disrespectful children, because that was a law too. But you can't say that it's a bomb. Not biblically speaking, you really can't say it's wrong. Now, there are ways a law could be applied unfairly. Like, it's wrong to target, say, one group of people and apply the law at them and then don't apply it equally to somebody else. There are ways laws can be unjust. There, there can be. But conceptually speaking, this is not a inherently unjust law. Now, I... Let, let, let me point this out, because I, I don't think we imperialist Westerners are, are processing this. Do you know that nearly 10% of the urban population in Uganda has HIV? And in, in the more ruler, rural areas, it's, it's over 5. One in 10 people in a city have an HIV. Can you imagine the, the public health crisis that that is? Like, what if, what if one in ten people in New York City or Atlanta or Dallas had a, a HIV? That's horrible. I mean, that is a deadly disease. Crippling, deadly disease. And it is transmitted through sexual contact. <clears throat> Especially homosexual conduct. Homosexual conduct in the eyes of the Ugandans, and they have an argument here, is a public health crisis, and they've made a law to criminalize homosexual activity. Now, here's another thing. The government does not bear the sword for nothing. Do you want street justice, or do you want justice from the government, the God-ordained government? Because in Uganda... And other parts of Africa. Oh, you're gay? Well, we're just going to kill you right here in the village. We're just going to stone you right here. They'll, they'll just kill you on the street. They, they don't need a law to do that over there. They'll do it. We couldn't, we couldn't imagine doing that to somebody here. That's how they roll in Africa. So arguably, this is the government saying that we, we the government, are going to step into our God-ordained role and have prison time and penalties for this instead of stoning people in the street. 
Now the headline for a law like this is, oh, it's the death penalty for homosexuality. Well, read the law. The death penalty, if you dig down and read the law, is for something called aggravated homosexuality. What is that? Uh, it would be in terms of forcible rape, child molestation, uh, giving, giving somebody AIDS, a sexual transmitted disease through the homosexuality, not just AIDS, but I guess any, any of them, any of the diseases. So if you're in a position of power over a child and you abuse the child homosexually, that's aggravated homosexuality according to the law. If you get arrested for homosexuality and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it, that's aggravated homosexuality according to this law. If you engage in homosexuality and give somebody a disease, if you force yourself upon somebody, which is just rape, that's aggravated homosexuality. Those are the things that carry the death penalty for it. it is, the death penalty is not winking at some guy in the public bathroom, okay? That's not what they're getting the death penalty for over there. So don't be confused by the headlines. <coughs> so if, if you were a Christian in Uganda navigating this law, with what I know about it, you say, I don't, I don't see anything unbiblical about this law. Now, how as a Christian are you going to navigate this in the West? Because we don't have this law. What we have are a bunch of aghast, pride month, rainbow flag-waving liberals. And an aghast Russell Moore and a aghast Ted Cruz. Like, Russell Moore and Ted Cruz are... Uh, one's a Christian politician and one's a public theologian. And these are supposed to be the people who represent the biblical view, do they? What posture are you going to take this as a Christian and say, like, you know, I'm a Christian, I don't believe homosexuality is morally right, but, oh, I don't support this law, oh, no, no, I'm against this. By what standard are you against it? What would you do if 10% of your population had AIDS? in the city. I didn't look up the rate of rape in Uganda versus the rate of rape here. I bet it's higher. I bet it's a lot higher. So the first thing I'm going to do as a Christian apologist, if somebody comes up to me and says, you Christians, you're so against homosexuality. You'd, you'd want it to be here. You want it, you'd want it to be uh, like Uganda here if you could. And the news articles are saying evangelical Christians from the West help fund this law. I don't know how true that is. How do you answer for that, you barbarian? I'd say, well, listen, Mr. Pride Flag Wearer. Let's not pretend here from which rich, wealthy America that we know what it's like for Ugandans. Uh, let's not pretend with our $35 copays that we understand their public health crisis. Do you see anybody dying of AIDS in the street here? I don't, I don't see that every day. I don't think I've ever seen that. I'm not saying it doesn't happen in America. It does, but... Probably not like it is there. I'm, oh, well, I'm out of gas. <laughs> I got no gas. All right. This is where you need to say to somebody, like, have you read the law? 
I want you to explain to me, because you're the one saying, you're the one telling me that Christianity is wrong. I want you to read this law about the, the part about aggravated homosexuality and then the part about homosexuality being wrong in general. I want you to think about the context those people are in and what their situation and their economy and their culture is like. And then I want you to tell me why it's wrong. Because if you use cultural relativism, because that's fine in their culture, you can't use cultural relativism because that culture has a different culture. And you can't use utilitarianism because they're going to get utility from this law that we're not going to get in America if we had it. See? You're going to have to use some other system of ethics. Well, what is it? You're criticizing the Bible. It's, you'll have to use something like divine command theory. Well, how do you know what God wants? You don't believe the Bible. I believe here's the Bible. I believe the Bible. You got to put it on them. It's a good opportunity. Listen, this is a good opportunity for us to have discussions with people of different worldviews. Also, a good reminder that we need to be warned against people like Russell Moore and Ted Cruz. Russell Moore and theologians like him are dangerous because they are trying to influence the church to the left. I'm sure Russell Moore doesn't mind the DEI office at Chick-fil-A. Thanks for listening to the Christian Commute. I'm going to stop it right here because I'm out of gas. Lord willing, I'll be back with you again tomorrow. No, Tuesday. This is Friday. As always, God bless, and as always, remember, Christianity is not about getting saved. It's about being saved.